Welcome to the Language of Ahava podcast, a podcast for families with young children. So what happens when a rabbi and an early childhood teacher walk into a podcast? I think it's going to be fun, and I'm sure it's going to be about connections. Hi, I'm Karen DeWister, and I'm the early childhood teacher. And I'm David Steinhardt. I'm the senior rabbi at B'nai Torah Congregation. Every conversation that I have with Karen is always fascinating and leads to new ideas. So joining together with Karen, making connections together is really what our goal is. I thank you because what the perspective that you bring to my world and my experiences from the Torah, from tradition, from community, um, from parenthood and grandfatherhood, it's all magnificent. So here comes our podcast. Uh, we'll be posting every other Friday just before Shabbat because we want to make these connections with you. And when you give a little ahava, you make this world a better place. I'm ready, Karen. Let's get going. Here we go. I'm excited about today's podcast. It is a theme that seems to thread through everything Jewish and a theme that is particularly relevant to parents, children, and young children. Um, our topic is peace. And one of our guests, um, the dad on the podcast, the young, youngest dad on the podcast, um, when I told him about the theme, he said, what's that? And I think that is the perfect framework for us to bring these themes together. So let me say hi to my co-host. Hello, Rabbi Steinhardt. Hi, Karen. Yeah. Hi, Laura and Adiel. Nice to see you guys. And nice how's your peace? With people with as a history. How's my peace? Yeah. How's your peace this week? I'm not exactly sure about the question. Is it how's your equanimity? which is a little bit different than your piece. And I would suggest that your equanimity is your capacity to uh, balance, you know, that desire for peace with the realities of the struggles of, of life all the time in your families, at your, in your jobs, whatever it is that you're doing. So my so piece is good. I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a, what they say in Hebrew, be no neat place. I'm right in the middle right now. Lovely. Lovely. Well, that's a good place for us to start. And we will try not to disrupt anyone's peace too badly today. Um, but let me introduce the other guests. We have extraordinarily special guests to us. Maura Laura Lennis is here. Um, for those of you that are on YouTube, you can see that, that shining face. She will be leading the Ahava Shabbat music this year. And, um, and it happens to be that our Friday Shabbat Ahava is on peace. So it was a special time for us to welcome her to the podcast. She is also a cantorio soloist and has been a teacher of so many, from babies to adults, to help them to connect to Judaism and Jewish community. So, Laura, how's your peace? Oh, um, how is my peace? I love what, how rabbi began, because I think really it depends on each moment and which hat you're wearing. Because I think each one of us have so many different parts of our lives that we juggle. And when I think about peace, I really, um, for me, it's about finding the place in self where I can ground. And no matter what is happening, I can just sort of place my feet down and be able to be with what is in that moment. Beautiful. Um, in Beautiful. this moment, <laughs> in this moment, I'm juggling motherhood and um, beautiful opportunities with 
prayer and community and B'nai Torah and um, and I'm in rabbinic school. And so all the different moving parts, my daughter is having a bat mitzvah in two weeks. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just journey. That's a lot. good peace disruption, but, a, but it, it keeps you out of the, um, the, the, the balance that Rabbi described for sure. So, um, I love it. And, and how we define peace is going to be maybe part of what we discussed today. But our other guest here is Adiel Hawk. And I am so excited because I knew I needed a young parent, a, someone to keep us real here. And when I told him the topic was peace, he said, what's that? And Adiel is the dad of a toddler, an energetic, busy, curious boy, and um, expecting his second child in just a few weeks. So Adiel, welcome. And how's your peace? It's uh, peaceful at the moment, but that's subject to change. We just put on a headset and hide from the world. That's subject to change by the milliseconds. So, um, (laughs) But I think, you know, I also agree with what Rabbi Steinhardt said. And um, it's, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say too much now before we get into the conversation, but I just, we, uh, I think for those that don't have young children, we just are living a world full of distractions and it's just, it's just so tough to uh, sort of maintain that balance. And uh, so, but I don't want to uh, get too deep into it. Yet, okay. Unless you want me to, <laughs> um, I'm ready to jump in. But Rabbi, do you want to I'm jump in? Ju- I'm ready to jump. Also, I have a go for it. Interesting thoughts from the Jewish tradition. But before that, I was uh, performing a wedding last week, and at the end of the wedding ceremony, we break a glass. Everybody knows that, and when we break a glass. There's a number of different meanings given to the breaking of the glass, but certainly one of the ideas about breaking the glass is that. The wedding ceremony for a couple who's in love, romantically involved with all sorts of incredible hopes for the future is uh, a time that feels like it's like the ultimate, you know, in, in happiness and feeling at one and all of that. And then you break a glass and there's broken glass on the ground. And so I think it comes uh, amongst the many meanings. It comes as a reminder to say, you're going to break glasses. It's not always going to be smooth sailing, guys. It's going to be hard at times. And your life, the success of your relationship, the success in life is much more dependent on how you deal with, uh, you know, the meal when you break the glass than when, when the glass is full and you're drinking the wine. So that you struggle. I don't want to sound like Scroogey here. I don't want to sound negative, but where I'm at in life, what I realize, and as I look back at my life and look ahead to what's in the future, struggles built into the into life. And so, uh, when you struggle, you you feel discordant. You don't feel like you have so much peace. It's just built into it. So the question is then, how do you live your life that way? And how do you? Uh, so let me give, and then I'll give this up for a second. We're never commanded um, to or told that we will have peace. What we're commanded in our tradition is to pursue peace. That is to be in the process of looking for a peaceful resolution, a peaceful settlement, a peaceful place. And I'm talking internationally, and I'm also talking interpersonally. And that is what we want to do is always work towards finding that peace, that wholeness. Um, But know that it's it's never ultimately achieved. It's only penultimately achieved. 
Well, both Rabbi and Maura Lorik responded to that opening question with, it's a pro- it, it, almost a process reaction, is how do I surf these waves so that I have equanimity as I'm surfing? And so I know that young children are disruptors. I know that there will be chaos. I know that they are brought to us grown-ups to shock us out of that complacency. And so I don't think that peace, as Rabbi was talking, think, well, is peace harmony? Of course, we want harmony in the world and in our families, but it, those are only momentary states. It's like happiness isn't something that's, a, that's persistent. It's, it comes and goes, and we, we look for it, and we hold it when we feel it. But um, back to Ariel, I mean, it's, what do you think peace is? if you were to have it with a toddler. I mean, because, you know, it's, it's, is peace watching a baby sleeping? Is yeah. peace, you know, is peace, you know, the giggles in a bath time? You know, it's peace isn't just quiet when silent. I don't think, not to me anyway. So, Ariel, what peace I, yeah, do you long for and what peace is already there? <clears throat> I, I think, you know, I sort of think of um, the concept of peace and, you know, happiness sort of interchangeably. I guess when you're happy, you're at peace. Um, for me, um, you know, it's, 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 it can be, it can get hectic and it's, it's, it feels like it's always, no matter what's happening, it's like a constant pursuit of finding that equilibrium and sort of constantly readjusting based on what situation you find yourself in or where you might be or whatever it is. And to me, um, it's really making sure that the people that are around me and the people that I love and care about, uh, namely my wife and my son are happy and fed, um, which plays into the happiness part. (laughs) Um, you know, and, for me, you know, there's no, there's nothing greater than getting to watch my son experience new things and, and see new things and see the excitement on his face. And, you know, so that's one form of peace. Um, you know, I also find peace, you know, I think there's a lot of parents that, uh, whether they admit it or not, sort of look forward to the evening and getting, at least I've heard mom say it. I don't know if it's tongue in cheek, but it's like, Oh, I can't wait till I get my kid in bed tonight. Cause then I can relax and do whatever I want. Um, and I actually sort of sometimes get a little sad when it comes time for bedtime. Cause I do love hanging out with Jasper so much. Uh, and he's just such a fun kid to be around and I wish he could just stay up as late as he wanted to, but that's just not realistic with an 18 month old my wife tells me. Um, but you know, there's, then there's another form of peace, which is after he's gone to bed and I have time to really sit and it's quiet and nobody's calling me and it's, and I can really think about what I'm doing in my life and in business. And so that's like a totally different type of peace, I think, which is just unencumbered time to just think about. I mean, I like to be by myself and think about all the things that I'm experiencing and going through in life and how I'm going to tackle certain things and strategize and this, this and that, and thinking about him as well. And um, so there's, there's that form of peace as well. Um, 
So it's just, it's kind of all over the place, but I think that really for me, it's just um, trying to just maintain, you know, keep everybody happy throughout, throughout the day and and the night. And um, when situations arise to try to find the best way to sort of mitigate them so we can get back to that sort of equilibrium baseline as quickly as possible where everybody's happy again. Um, so, so what I what I believe, and, th- and then I would like to hear Laura as a parent and the juggler and someone who has the philosophical and component, but it's it's like that old idea of peace within where I can, I mean, and I hear you in that, Wanting, having that time to yourself, time to reflect, time, just that inner moment to, to ground yourself in your, where you are and your hopes, your dreams and solutions to problems. And I've also seen you, Ariel, when, when Jasper was a little younger and you, when that child, when that baby is growing and they're so out of their own sorts because they're in that growth spurt. And I saw your heart break it. Like, I can't make them happy. Like, I can't take away the frustration. I can't smooth this over. And then you think of a whole family. So there's this peace within and that there's like, but I can only be happy or peaceful when I know the people I love and care about are okay. And children go through not okay moments pretty regularly in a day. And then of course you have mom your partner to to try to make sure that her needs are met. So that's a struggle because that peace within and peace around and that your peace is absolutely contingent on other people's peace. Um, Rabbi, (laughs) help. And then I want to ask Laura sort of that same of that inner versus outer. Uh, You know, I, I, in some ways, we're all talking about different things, both to each other and within ourselves in terms of where that, you know, where peace resides, you know, is peace, calm, calmness is peace, happiness, you know, how do you find peace in a relationship and knowing that it's never perfect. The word for peace in Hebrew, shalom is related to the word for shleimut, which means wholeness. And if you have wholeness, then it's not just all good. It's good and bad, but we're able to coexist with the good and the bad. So everybody knows like the most, perhaps one of the most famous prayers in the Jewish tradition. It says, Shalom b'mromav, hu yaseh shalom aleinu v'yalkol Yisrael. I want to tell you an interesting reading that I've seen about it. It says, may the one who creates peace in the high heavens, may he grant us peace. For all, for ourselves and for all of Israel, and we say amen. And so, what does it mean to have peace in the high heavens? That's the question. What's peace in the high heavens? And according to this commentator, she wrote, um, "The heavens are filled with heavenly bodies, you know, stars and moons and planets, and nothing is still. Everything is moving in its course. Everything has its own rotation and revolution, etc." But peace in the heavens means that all these heavenly bodies can move and they don't crash into each other. So that we're all on a particular path and we have to find that path and move on that path. And yet we also have to give room for the other to be on their paths also. Well, that's pretty perfect. (laughs) Yeah, but none of it, I'm not comfortable with it. (laughs) I like it. No, I like it a lot, but I'm not comfortable with it in relation to Ariel because of, you know, what 
when I think about having little children. So when I think about spending time with my grandchildren or when my kids were really little, because you're constantly on watch. You're consistently look, looking out for danger. You know, you're, you're continuously making sure that they ate right and that they get enough sleep and that they're, you know, they're clean and their diapers are changed or whatever. And so when you're always on watch, it doesn't feel like you're not experiencing peace. It may be, Adi, that you've just got to give it up for a few years. <laughs> and now give you up have the a peace. Second, give, up the, <laughs> give up the aspiration. No, look at the aspiration down the road. You know, like in order to achieve that peace when you're older, you got to do this hard work now. But I and we have, say- and we're only talking about, we're talking about personal peace. We haven't even right. begun to talk about but- the macro level, which is... Right world peace and it's just it's it's just daunting and jasper's to future about it you know i mean jasper's we won't future, get that but to that everybody's yeah. future and everybody's future nation against nation and all the things that are going on but that's let's let's uh we'll put that here for now because what i want to just say as the non-parent here i hear you and i know that how hard it is and that vigilance however when else in your lives do you have the opportunity to go back into that present moment and be playful and be and giggle and or even just hold? I mean, sometimes peace is holding comforting a child that you can only comfort. So I also believe that there's an opportunity for peace, but it but when with young children and maybe teenagers will get there, but but it but it's not. Um, but I have to let go of all my adult requirements and needs and responsibilities for short periods. So I think you get a bonus by being parents um, or for any of us that have the, the joy of being around children. Um, so I, I don't think he has to give it up completely. It's or, funny or you it say that. Ice. It's funny you say that because I, I sort of do this exercise with myself somewhat regularly and, and I don't, it's sort of an exercise that I started doing when life got hard in the past. Um, it's not like in response to the, particularly in response to the trials and, you know, tribulations of raising a young child. But I realized, you know, I'll, I'll be out walking and my neighbor who has teenagers and kids in college and they're like, oh, you know, we remember what no, I remember when my son was, you know, a year and a half old, two years old, and, uh, you know, it goes so fast. And I really try to internalize and think about that a lot. And I try to sort of put myself in the position that I, God willing, will be in or think I'll be in in 10 or 20 years. And I, I'm, a, I'm a very deep thinker and highly analytical. And, you know, I don't necessarily say all the things that I'm thinking all the time. So, uh, but I try to really think about how I might feel in 10 or 20 years and how there are things that I'm going to miss, even things that may not seem enjoyable now. They just sort of come with the territory and it's, it's all one thing. And I'm going to look back and I'm going to say, you know, that was just such a, an unbelievable time. And it's only, it's the only time I'm going to really have in my life. I mean, look, people don't continue to have, most people don't continue to have kids, you know, for 
many, many decades. So most people have their kids within a time frame of one or two, you know, two decades that might be pushing it. And it's like, it all comes at you really fast at one time, especially if you have a few within a few years of each other. And as stressful as it is, I feel like what's going to happen is that like all of a sudden I'm going to be out of this craziness in a matter of five or 10 years. I'm going to, I don't, I don't want to say miss it because there'll be different great things happening then, but it's going to be like, wow, like that was something that I'll never get back or be able to do again. And I'm really trying to think about how I'll feel then and put my, you know, think about that now to really try to like maximize this time and this opportunity, I guess you could say that I have right now with him and hope God willing his sister and, you know, um, I, I, as, a, as a father who's like a generation ahead of you, I really appreciate what you're saying there. But I also will tell you that there are other stages in that relationship which have an extraordinary amount of fulfillment. And you have to get through this period in order to get to those places. So wait until, you know, your son is your age and then you develop this a more of a peer-like relationship with this human being that you were involved in in helping to shape, to come there. There's extraordinary reward in that also. So, and I have to hope that that continues as we can, as we get older. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, and I think those are, that's a priceless perspective, Adiel. Um, it, it is golden because we did, we did a podcast once on the, the, Matt, the fairy dust in the tantrums because well, tantrum, we have tantrums at all ages, but his needs and his volatility are so different when children are little than when they have, you know, more reasonableness to discuss and problem solve with. So let's get Laura back in with um, how, how you manage that inner peace and the collective peace of your family, for example. Um, I think a thread that I'm hearing a lot is, connection through what we're saying. And I think that can be independent of age. So if you're sitting in a moment where there's a lot happening and the child is bouncing, but then in a moment you see that smile or the child says something that lights you up or lights and you look into their eyes and all of a sudden you see one another and it's like, boom, pow, there can, there can come that, that peaceful moment. And so what I have learned over time through some really powerful spiritual teachers who have guided my path is um, in each moment, I guess as, as you're, we were talking about young children, um, but then when you go along the path, as Rabbi was speaking, you have a child, let's say that's, that's older and you can have that type of relationship. Then where I think it, it goes is um, looking at highest good. Um, looking at what is it in each moment when potentially there could be a conflict? Is it the most important right now that I'm getting what I want or what I think I need in that exact moment? Or is it that I'm putting first that whatever it is that's happening in that moment and I'm, I'm making that highest good the most important um, and so what I've found is that I can actually do some strategies that would take me to be able to get out of myself from my own specific, like very narrow focus and 
if I just stop for a moment of tension and I take some really deep breaths and I just like truly will just even place my hand upon my heart and close my eyes and slow down my breathing, independent if I have children around, I do this with children. Um, I, I have songs that I, that I share with children to teach them how to do it. Like take a really deep yeah. breath and now blow it out. And you can, you can do this with, with people of all ages. And um, seeing the breath, coming back to um, connection with God and connection with that highest good, um, walking outside, putting my feet in the grass, yeah. looking up at the clouds, noticing the different formations and just being with. I've noticed that um, even when you walk outside with children, there's just, there's a different energy. There's a different feeling that can come out of those moments. And the shift or a shift or a transition, if there is a moment of tension, moving the space or going and um, just being with nature. Um, it can give an opportunity to come back to center. Breath, ground, and of course, water, you know, and, and even if it just means putting them in a bathtub. Yes, Rabbi. I was just thinking about it now in relation, as Laura spoke, in relation to strategies when dealing with tense times and difficult times. And certainly, I think one of them does have to do with the boundaries that we set. I'm not talking about the boundaries we set on the behavior of our children, but our own boundaries and where we define ourselves as beginning and ending and being able to see the child, not just, not merely as an extension of us, as a part of us, but as a separate being. And so I think it enables us then to respond in a more respectful way to ourselves and to the child. You know, like, as opposed to feeling this is a reflect, the fact that my kid's throwing a tantrum is a reflection of me and it makes me all uncomfortable. I'm okay. Let's deal with the tantrum in a way that's appropriate. That's one thing. And then the other thing is that the way we respond or react in any situation really begins deep inside of ourselves. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a meditator. And so the fact uh, that I meditate enables me to get into conflictual situations with, I feel like, with a great advantage over everybody else that's yelling at each other. So it's created, so there's some kind of, you know, you enter into this with a sense of inner peace and that's kind of where it has to begin, yeah. Which takes me back to Ariel's moment of that, that solitary moment that you love to have every day. Um, do you get those every day? Every night, pretty much. Often yeah, enough. I, I stay up to ungodly hours sometimes just thinking about things that my wife's like, what time did you get in bed last night? And I'm like, uh... Two o'clock? She's like, no, it was later than that. <laughs> and, so, and I think that's true for a lot of parents, you know, who just give up sleep in order to have some time for themselves. I just find that I'm spread so thin during the day. And I just, the nature of, the, of my business right now, and there's always decisions. I'm not the best. I was never the best decision maker growing up. I would, I would deliberate. And even after I made a decision, I would deliberate more even though the decision was already made and um i'm in a business where i'm like constantly having to make big decisions 
um, which has made me a much better decision maker, I think, but it's still a lot to think about. And I need like time and space and quiet to be able to think about that and strategize. And it's really the only time that I can, that I can get that unencumbered time. I think that self-awareness becomes such a critical aspect of every parent and every person's piece. Um, be, because, it, I mean, it's, it's like rabbi and those, those bodies bumping into each other in the sky. I mean, that, that is our reality, is that we're going to be bumping up against one another's needs and perspectives. Um, and it, it, we have to start with ourselves, but it's, it's hard for the parents or especially that believe they don't have a moment to be able to, to step back. Um, Laura can walk out, you know, I'm, I mean, and I can see Laura, you know, taking that moment to go outside and say, I'm going to put my feet in the grass, you know, and <laughs> I have to say that's not during the week. Most of the time it's, well, I try to during the week, but it, it doesn't happen very often, but on Shabbos, I really do try to create a different energy. And I think that um, it's only been the last few years that I've been making a drastic difference in my week. Um, and when Shabbos comes, because I, I lead service, it's, it's funny for clergy or service leaders, Shabbos is, is really sometimes your, your most day of work. But um, what I've been doing for the past two years is right after leading services, I, um, I, I go outside and I completely put down my, my phone and I either go to the beach or the park or sit by the lake and I go with my partner, my daughter, and, and we just, we really make at least a couple of hours on Shabbos different than the rest of the week. And, um, and then going into Havdalah, there's that actual mindfulness of, okay, now what does this energy feel like after that, that breath? And how can we bring it into the week that's upcoming and just closing your eyes for a moment and, um, you know, cherishing that feeling and seeing what it feels like and seeing how you can actually transition it into the other spaces. Obviously that's harder when you have children under the age of two <laughs> and I've experienced that. You also um, have but, a teenager, so you, you, you get equal, <laughs> you get equal, equal uh, status <laughs> to stress. Um, but, yeah. but I love, I, and let's close on this. Uh, go ahead, Adia. No, I, I think um, just talking about nature, I mean, I just think that, you know, seeing certain things, certain things in nature just really puts everything into perspective. And I think it really grounds us at, to realize you know, for me, it's like to be in the mountains and, you know, with, with, you know, running water and waterfalls. I mean, it's, to me, that's like, I mean, I, I, I want to be able to live around that. Like when I go to places that have mountains and that sort of terrain, it's like, and I come back here to Boca and I'm like, oh God, like, what am I doing? Um, and I think that there's a beauty to raising children and living in that sort of, um, environment it just i feel like i mean and i could just be saying this because it's not what i'm used to and so it's like a grass is greener type thing but i think that there's a power in that and the power in mountains and there's something about it and it just it it it's it's really like it's magical and it's um unfortunately we don't have that here i, I but, agree go ahead i didn't mean to. so it's and in wrap up i feel like like my struggle is always if I don't have the inner peace, 
well, no, I'm not, I don't know if I, but it's this idea that I can create peace, that I can, and so whether it's finding something in Laura's Shabbat, it's, but it has to be that intentional, deliberate action that I'm going to pull it into the week. And, and Ariel's mountain, I have to bring that experience or that, that calm or that magicalness that I feel there back to Boca. It's like, we have to, we have to work at this a little bit. Um, but any, so let's just close with final thoughts of um, creating peace for ourselves and for others. Laura, please. For me, I would absolutely need to, to close with the idea that I feel the most at peace when I'm, when I feel connected to God and when I feel that um, my path or that I'm opening to, to, to God and to life unfolding in each moment, the way that it's unfolding. Cause I can't, I can't happening. It's, it's all happening right in front of me. I can only be with what is. And so when I open to that type of divine flow, I, I find that my whole being shifts and any anxiety or fear or sadness or anything that it, I'm personally experiencing in self, if I, if I give it out, <laughs> like put it in the God box, then it's the opportunity to, um, to open and, and, and to be. And Ariel, you're going forward to a new baby arriving. Um, and I know when I see you as a father that you are bringing peace, comfort, safety, nurturing to Jasper and to your family. So I know in some ways the, the, the groundswell of peace that you bring is big. How are you feeling going forward to the next set of demands that might be placed on you? <laughs> Rabbi's shaking his head. It feels, you know, obviously there's a lot of unknown. I, I know that I sort of can sense that it's going to be intense. Um, it's, I, I feel like I finally gotten to a point sort of where things have sort of like, we've got it figured out and now we're going to shake the whole thing up. Um, I just, I think, um, you know, I, I, I should be a meditator, like what Rabbi Steinhardt said, because I, I think it's, it's super important that to be able to keep emotion and judgment sort of separate and to be able to approach situations and not, and, and I say this as somebody who is, is not really able to do this a lot of the time, even though I know I, sh I, I need to be better at it, but, um, I think it's really important to, and it's hard for people that are passionate about things and loving people, but I think it's really important to sort of separate emotion and decision-making and the way you approach situations and to really try to approach situations as calmly as possible um, and just try to solve problems and just learn from them and move on. And hopefully it makes you better at, you know, doing it the next time. And then you, just continue to get better at doing everything. And uh, hopefully you get back to that equilibrium, uh, although maybe we never do, but you know, what we think is equilibrium. I have a question though, for Rabbi Steinhardt, the, the whole idea about the, about the uh, angels and people in heaven, what controls them or enables them to 
not bump into each other and to be in harmony with each other. Yeah, teaching wasn't about angels. It was about heavenly bodies, that being planets, suns, moons, oh. everything out there. So gravity. <laughs> okay. It's, a, it's, it's an issue of, no, it's an issue of the order of the universe, really, universal order, which is built into God's creation. So, Okay. So my closing comment is, do you, do you know what a Jubu is? It's a Buddhist... Uh, it's a Jew who, Jewish who, Buddhist. Starts, who starts out as being Jewish and then found Buddhism along the way. And there was a whole big movement of Jewish Buddhists in the late 60s, early 70s. And one of the most famous is a guy who went by a Buddhist name, Ramdas. And he wrote a book entitled Be Here Now. And so one of the thing, I think one of the things that connects all of this, both what, what Adi was saying in terms of being able to separate, you know, like emotion from what you're thinking, reactivity, all of the reaction, and even what Laura was saying about how she centers herself with time and, and with, you know, a sense of a, of a universal presence of God. The, be Here Now speaks about the fact that we have to have the capacity to, to, to separate what it means to be in this moment from what was and what will be. And that, I think it, that kind of... Um, uh, unifies a lot of this, and that is the capacity to be present in any moment, and therefore there we can find, we can look at ourselves and see where we're being reactive or overly reactive, where we're losing touch, you know, where we're becoming too you know argumentative, where we're becoming too worried, etc. We just have now, you know, this is it. Thank you. Thank you all. And of course, we wish you all peace and all of our listeners peace. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Thank you for being here and sharing all of that. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening today, for being part of this moment, for being part of these Ahava connections, and for trying to give a little Ahava to one another. Thank you to my co-host, Rabbi David Steinhardt, for always adding timeless wisdom and a meaningful connection to our world and to this podcast. Thank you, B'nai Torah Congregation, for being our community of support and a place to share with one another. You hold us together in a world that is too often pulling us apart. Thank you to Cantor Magda Fishman for your voice, your whistling, your song, and the soul that you bring to everything you do. If you don't know Cantor Fishman, please check her out at B'nai Torah Services. You will be transformed and inspired. Finally, thank you to the Jewish Federation of South Palm Beach County for helping to fund this Ahava podcast and Ahava Nature Shabbat. And to our Ahava Malahim, our angels, the families who also help underwrite these Ahava projects. For more information about B'nai Torah Congregation, the website is btcboca.org. You can also find me, Karen Deerwester, at familytimeinc.com. Until next time, Shabbat Shalom and give a little Ahava. Take care. When you give a little love, you see, you make this world a better place, a much better place to be. When you give a little ahava, when you give a little love, you see, you make.
make this world a better place, a much better place to be. You'll make this world a better place, a much better place to be.